Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The New England Patriots win Super Bowl 53 13-3 over the Los Angeles Rams. The sixth Super Bowl for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and six in Patriots history tying the Pittsburgh Steelers for most ever. Just one touchdown in the game. First play in the red zone. The first one for the game on either side. From the two, first and goal. Running it for the touchdown. Sony Michelle. The call from CBS. Julian Edelman named MVP. Where are you going? We're going to Disney World. An undefeated weekend of Big Four basketball. Iowa win over Michigan. Iowa State beats Texas. And Drake and you and I with wins in the MVC. The Cyclones back in action tonight as they go on the road to face Oklahoma. 8 o'clock tip on ESPN2. Hear the game on 100.3 The Bus. Your one-stop shop for everything that is sports and more. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Oh, you got to get Sia. Have you ever heard her do this song? No. She did it the... This was the theme song of the Rose Bowl. Who played in the Rose Bowl the year before Iowa did? It was a real shootout. I think, was that the year? Was it the Penn State Wash? Penn State USC? Might have been. She did this. This song haunts me the way she sings in yeah. a good way. I mean, it's oh my, it's, it's really good. Well, you were singing it all morning. Well, I listened to her sing it yesterday. I put my headphones on yesterday and uh, I listened to her. It's it's tremendous. Anyways, uh, Miller and Cotton back with you here for the next hour. We take you right up until noon every Monday through Friday from ten until noon, talking sports with you. We're glad you're with us. If you miss any portion of the program, you can go to kxno.com and click the podcast links. They will be up very quickly uh, at the conclusion of the program. Dylan Mons is ten. Uh, 10 minutes away. He will talk Iowa State with us. We'll recap uh, the Texas win, take a look ahead to tonight's Oklahoma game, and then Scott Dockerman about 11.35. Uh, Doc will opine on the Michigan win and his piece that he posted today at The Athletic on the 1999 recruiting class and what that did as far as charting the course or setting the course, perhaps, uh, for Iowa football. Uh, let's do a little bit on football, Trent, a little more on, on the Super Bowl. One of the factors, one of the guys we thought going into this game that uh, that Wade Phillips and the Rams were going to have to come up with a game plan to stop um, was James White, who is such a threat out of the backfield, whether he's carrying the ball or catching the football, and more so he's a massive threat when it comes to you know Brady dumping the ball uh, out to him. He did nothing yesterday. They had him completely figured out, two carries for four yards, and caught one ball for five yards. Now, Perhaps they should have focused a little more on Edelman. Yes. Who went off, and Gronkowski had his moments. He had a couple of big catches late in the football game. Uh, but a guy that we thought was going to be a major, major factor, James White was no there. Look, my take going into it is I picked the Rams based on what I thought Wade Phillips was going to be able to do. And he did. I thought so, right? Mm-hmm. I was still, I still think that, um, you know, my pick made sense. 
Now, didn't you're not cashing your ticket, and right. I'm not going back up to the counter and saying I want value because that's what all the degenerates right. that I listened to said. There's too much value on the Rams plus yeah. two and a half or plus three. Yep. I fell in the value. Well, you don't get any value when no. you don't cash a ticket. That's very, very true. But it was a pretty good game plan, and so was Bill Belichick, who's just oh, brilliant. Yes. It really and truly is. Uh, what, what do you make of Todd Gurley? What, 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 what are we missing here? Has- you don't have the dominant season that he did only to be bypassed. And I like C.J. Anderson. Yeah, he's but fine. But Gurley is one of the best backs in the game. Well, so what happened? I, I have really no idea. If, if he was healthy, and that's what Tracy Wolfson, who had a rough moment after the game finished. You know what? I thought, get her the hell out of there. Cut away. Yes. That was as shoddy a production from CBS mm-hmm. as you're going to find at the Super Bowl. You cut away. You don't stay down there. What are they doing? Well, I guess yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't pick up any language that they would have had to Absolutely. apologize for. That's what for I was starters. waiting for, too. But just the, I mean, she's not, she's a tiny little person. Yes. I don't know if you've ever seen Tracy Wilson yep. in person. She's a tiny, tiny woman. I thought she was going to get, you know, crushed, honestly. Yes. Because that was, a, everybody wanted a piece of him. Mm-hmm. And then Kraft makes his way in, and Belichick, and Edelman, and a couple of, uh, a couple of Rams made their way into the throng. And Brady didn't want to talk. He wanted to, you know, be with his teammates. He wanted to get congratulations and, you know, say his piece to guys that he just competed against. But then he was pretty gracious when, you know, once was. it was all said and done, he didn't, uh, forget his, I don't want to say responsibility. I don't know if it's a responsibility it or might not. Be. It might be. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the MVP, mm-hmm. but but he's still Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> You're going to want to speak with him. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I thought, boy, oh, boy, get her the hell out of there. And why CPS stayed there? I just no. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. But to what you're saying about the actual game and the game plan going on there, James White, you figured, would be more involved. Mm-hmm. On the other side with Gurley, you know what I think really hurt the Rams? So you got Gurley. Is he 100%? I, I think... I think we can all agree he's not what he was during the regular season. Before. No, and he missed the what last two weeks or yeah. three weeks? Two weeks for sure. He had the knee injury. Obviously, they had the bye week going into uh, the divisional round game against the Cowboys, where he was great, mm-hmm, by the way. Mm-hmm. But you had him. You had Anderson, who turned out to be really nice backup component, a nice piece there. But they didn't have that shifty third down back that got James White, the guy out of mm-hmm. the backfield, the guy that can catch the ball. Right, Gurley going back to the NFC Championship game. Struggle catching the football. And C.J. Anderson, certainly that is not his game. If they had that guy, if they had the Darren Sproles type, the the jitterbug out of the backfield that can run that arrow route, run that swing route, and get those yards, I wonder how much better the offense could have done. Mm. Because it almost felt like at times, McVay and Goff, they, they were handcuffed. The rush was incredibly good. This is an incredibly fast defense, but they just couldn't get to the edges. They couldn't well, do enough on the edges to make that slow defense or the Patriots that, that, That's true. And the, the Patriots looked awful quick coming up the middle, yes, shooting some gaps. Did. I mean, Austin Blythe a couple of times, there, his mm-hmm. guy was by him uh, before he was almost out of his out of his crouch, for God's sakes. Um, fun football game. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but um, it, it, it was just different. Hey, help me out at this. Who did the Texans lose to that opened the door? I was thinking about this yesterday. Because the, the, the Patriots got a bye. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to play three games, they only had to play two. And for the longest time, at least in December, the Patriots were that three seed, and Houston lost to who? Was it the Colts? The Colts loss is what jumped ahead first when you said that. That's what it was? I believe I think they, so. got, they got beat by, uh, by Philly late in the year, but I think it was the Colts. 
That opened up the open Opened the them. door yeah. and put the Patriots back in the bye position. Now, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. Right. I, I don't. We're talking about Tom Brady and company here. <laughs> and you know what? We laughed about this last week. The the us against the world. They used that trend. Yes, they did. This just wasn't a one-week theme. Is there a better motivating factor in sport than that? The nobody believes in us. The Well, it gets, it gets used a lot. I mean, it they does. won six out of nine. The Patriots. <laughs> Right, it's like the use Bulls this. using us. Yes. Or the but, Warriors this year. And they have. And we've heard the Warriors say that. And it's it's silly from the outside looking in. But, but inside locker it. rooms, it works so well. Yeah. And, I know. And I know everybody uses it. So maybe because in the end, since everybody uses it, whoever wins is going to say right. that. But it's such a great motivating factor. I mean, even me playing sports. I remember those conversations in locker rooms. Yeah, yeah. I remember coaches using it. And it worked. It I don't know what it is, but it maybe it's something. Even private. at the level that you play, even even playing really? North Iowa Conference yeah. basketball, yeah, Mister Baird come trudging in there in his coach bike shorts, and nobody believes in nobody, us. Nobody, you can't beat Forest City. <laughs> and he get fired up. Yeah, it, I guess it does it. it. It certainly did for and the it's Patriots. It's silly for the Patriots to use it. It's silly for the Warriors to use it, but they will. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy? Because I did. I thought Tom Brady's daughter stole the show. At the end of the Afterwards, game. Afterwards. Wasn't that something? His son running around on the stage. His and, son running around, but yeah. but his daughter, in, in uh, Brady was holding her, and the confetti's coming down. Boy, she looks like her mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily for her, and not that Tom Brady's not a good-looking guy by any means, right. but we're talking about Giselle Bunchen here. Uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty spectacular. It really was. I thought that was a good Brady moment. As somebody pointed out on Twitter today, it might have been Trey Wingo, and you wonder why he continues to want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. And then they had that picture of him and his daughter on the stage. Did you see the picture of her reflection? It was in from behind the them. Yeah, it was awesome. That was really, really cool. Speaking of pictures, you showed me one I hadn't seen. Kirk Ferentz yes. was on the field after the game. Right, of course. And James was a uh, inactive. Did yes. you see that? Yep. But now he's got two Super Bowl rings. Not he bad. played in the in Super Bowl 50. He was active and was on the field against the uh, Panthers when Denver won Super Bowl 50. But he was inactive. Look, he still gets his ring. The family was all there. They were all on the field together on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Claiborne Ferentz hug uh, as the confetti's rolling down on the, uh, on the field. That was a pretty good picture. Adrian Claiborne, one of my favorite Hawkeyes over this two-decade run. He was incredibly enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest moments in person that I saw. The punt block at Penn oh, State. Oh, how big was that? To quiet in the, the rain. In the rain, and our little section of Iowa fans. It was uh, it was very loud and very fun in that little section of 110,000. But yeah, Claiborne, he's still going. I mean, this is year eight, seven, eight. Pretty close. Uh, yeah, pretty close. And a guy that felt like maybe he was out of the league. After drafted by Tampa, right? Tampa, and they, yeah. they didn't after his rookie contract was let up. Him they go. let him go. He signs with Atlanta. He mm-hmm. had. Five sacks in one game last year, right? Uh, and propelled that into a, a deal with uh, with the Patriots. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. It's awesome. It really is good for him. Mm-hmm. We'll take a timeout. Dylan Mons joins us next. Uh, we'll talk Iowa State. We'll take a look back at the game, uh, the win over Texas. A look ahead to tonight. It's an eight o'clock tip. Here's the good news: West Virginia doesn't play ahead of them. No, they'll be uh, playing at the same time. ESPN made a mistake here. Didn't I agree they? by putting both Big Twelve games. Nope. At, because they have a choice. Both of them are scheduled Oh, one on ESPN, o'clock. one on ESPN2. Yes. They should have put yes. Oklahoma, Iowa State on Big ESPN. Right. And no, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I don't think there's a basketball game on the deuce that precedes it. Meaning, you know, get in front of your TV at 8 o'clock if you're an Iowa State fan. Because I don't think that you're going to be, you know, tips at 8.07 or, you know, 
you know, join us on ESPN News right. or anything like that. I think we're going to go on time for that one tonight. We're going to be late if we don't go to break because Dylan Monts is standing by. He's got press conferences to cover in Ames. We'll do that with Dylan uh, 20 minutes away from Scott Dockerman uh, talking Iowa. Scott with The Athletic. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, there are no press conferences. I, I, thank you uh, for uh, correcting us there. Iowa State is on the road in Norman. It'd be they tough are. to have a press conference uh, in Ames uh, today. So I'm, I'm sure, I'm assuming they'll be tomorrow, which probably puts the coaches' show to tomorrow as well. Maybe. Yeah. Prom's uh, a little busy. Dylan yep. Mont's a little busy. He's not busy enough to, they can't find time for us, and we appreciate that. Dylan, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yeah, doing well. And they're actually scrapping the, the press conferences altogether this week just because, uh, you know, the, the schedule threw them off. So um, nothing this week. And I do think the coaches show will be tomorrow if, if uh, I can remember how they've done it in the past. Will you get Matt Campbell after signing day this week, do you think? Um, I'm actually scheduled to talk with him tomorrow. Oh, uh, good. I'm going to meet with him tomorrow. And then um, hopefully on Wednesday, uh, they're having a signing day celebration up at the Sleep Up Zone Club. Uh, they've done that the last couple of years. Um, so he'll be there and he'll have uh, Brock Purdy and Mike Rose. I think he'll talk to the, the crowd the crowd there about them and then um he'll reintroduce tom manning and then introduce Capone, also the two new additions to the staff so a couple different things happening in the the couple hours that that program is going on is ashim young i think that's how you pronounce his first name is, is he going to be a cyclone do you know uh it it certainly looks that way um nothing firm yet i know there was a report out yesterday that he committed um, mm-hmm. he refuted it by saying he hadn't committed yet um, to a school, but I think um, things are pointing that way that he'll end up um, mm. being an Iowa State uh, uh, signee on Wednesday. I'm all for second chances. Uh, there's going to be some people out there that look at this uh, signing and say, you know, is this the kind of guy that you want in the program? He committed armed robbery, for crying out loud. And, uh, and he did so when he was a couple of weeks away from his 18th birthday, and he pled to it as a juvenile. But uh, he, held, he had a gun in the, in, in the course of committing a robbery where over $10,000 was stolen. That's why I think Penn State walked away from him. Who else did, uh, did he have an opportunity to play for prior to um, that indiscretion of his? Do you know, Dylan? Uh, I think... Um... Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think he had an Alabama offer. I think he did, too. If I remember right. And then um, I know things were pointed in the direction of him going to West Virginia even before uh, Dana Holgerson left, and then this Iowa State opportunity started to surface. But obviously um, the details of, of his past and, and some of those incidents that he's had, they're they're not good and, and pretty scary for a young kid uh, to be involved in that stuff. But uh, I think um, you know Matt Campbell is showing kind of over time that they'll, they'll bet those guys pretty well, and I don't think – they're in a position where they need to take those kinds of risks if they don't feel pretty good about the situation. So, um, yeah, not a good deal. Like you said, sometimes um, you know kids deserve second chances, and um, he could be getting one here in a couple of days. With that, how much latitude does Matt Campbell have? How much latitude does Steve Prohm have? You know, the coaches of the big you know, financial programs in terms of is is it they have to vet things like this through the university? Is there a certain kind of way that they can get around things. Any idea how that works from the university level on down? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure what kinds of checks and balances they have to have with the university officials. 
Um, I know uh, if it's if it's just a Jamie Pollard and athletics department thing. I know um, he likes to be as hands off as possible and let the coaches um, do the job he hired them to do. So I think there's a certain amount of latitude and leverage in that. Um, but as far as what the university has to go through, I, I'm sure there's there's things that they have to vet. But I don't know if they're necessarily in the business of saying, okay, this kid is fine to take, this kid is not fine to take. Um, you know, I, I think there's 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 got to be a certain dialogue there. But I don't know if it's um, you know, clear cut and dry as okay, we're we're going to take this kid, but not this kid for this reason, this reason. So I, I, it's a good question, but I, I don't know if I fully have the answer there. The last thing on this, we'll get to basketball. I'm just reading Philly.com. A police report filed after the arrest accused Young of pointing a revolver at an employee of the store. Um, they stole $13,600 after the employee got on the floor. The police report said, Wingate, who I guess was an accomplice, opened the safe and handed Young the cash. They then got in a car and, and took off. Anyways, I, I'm with you. You got to do, you got to do your homework on this kid, vet him. And, um, you know, he was a juvenile at the time, so he was able to plead, and he really got off lucky that he was two weeks prior uh, to being charged as an adult. But we'll see. I want to get to um, I want to get to basketball. Will uh, is there a big signing other than I mean, this young thing, I think, is probably going to dominate the headlines. Is there one other guy, Dylan, that maybe they're in on that they're, you know, could go either way at this point? Uh, yeah, I know they're they're uh, thinking about or looking into Alante Brown, who was a Michigan State recruit. Um, and I know he's had some academic um, troubles in the past um, in, in terms of trying to get into schools, and I know he's he's kind of been on some high high uh, caliber football schools right now. So I think he's kind of uh, been taking a few visits here, and uh, it sounds like he could be part of the class. And then um, this isn't something that would be a done deal on Wednesday, but I know they're um, looking at a couple graduate transfers, one a wide receiver, and I think a defensive back too. So there's some. There are a few things still left out there, um, but they have some some room right now because of some of the attrition that happened early on with the quarterbacks and and things of that nature. So um, there there probably there'll be at least one name and maybe a couple or a few on on Wednesday that um, are going to be more talked about. But um, as of now, I think Young is probably the only one that's um, looking to be as you know really solid. Over to basketball, Dylan. Winners of five of their last six and. Certainly in good position as we go into the second half. Let's look back before we look forward tonight with Oklahoma, though. A look back at the win against Texas. And Ken mentioned it. It was the same thought I had written down in my notes. It felt like the Kansas State game there down the stretch. This time, though, Iowa State made the plays, and Shaq, who had struggled, hit the big shot. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It, I, I wasn't there. Um, you know, I was checking it out from home before I had to go off to work in the afternoon, but it really did kind of have that feeling in the second half where Iowa State, you know, had really played a lot better than Texas. Texas did not uh, shoot the ball well, and they're, they're not really known for their offense, but somehow was still hanging around, hanging around. And, um, you know, I guess when Iowa State misses, however, 10 layups and a couple alley-oops, and it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah just, just these weird plays, and especially with Stayock, you don't expect him, um, as good as he's been offensively, to miss some of those shots, but... I think the encouraging thing is they could have a game like that um, at this point in the year and still kind of find a way to win. Um, so it's there's kind of an interesting dynamic where, um, you know, you've shown that you can shoot that poorly, but you still find ways to win. And I think uh, part of it is the defense, too. And I know there's been some troubles, um, you know, for them guarding the post and the big men inside with, you know, Jackson Hayes, I thought, had a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tough against Michael Jackson, but I thought Cameron Mark came in when he was in and, um, you know, played pretty well. So 
uh, there's some some things to be concerned about, but also some things I think to be encouraged about as you kind of head into the rest of the stretch here. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is one of those schools that you're they're off to a pretty good start, and you're just wondering um, how are they doing this? They were unbeaten, I think, for the longest time early in non-conference play. I I, I want to say at one point they were. I don't know, twelve and one or thirteen and one, but anyways, off to a really good start. Big Twelve has not been kind to them. It's a terrific conference, as they know. Their their wins over you know, the teams they should be beating. They they beat Oklahoma. They swept Oklahoma State. I'll give them the TCU when TCU was ranked at the time that they played. But I watched a, a lot of the uh, Oklahoma West Virginia game that preceded Iowa State on Saturday. I just don't think they're very good. I mean, Lon Kruger's a terrific coach, and they've got a couple of guys, but this roster doesn't wow you. This is a spot where you feel that, you know, it's the road, sure, but this is a winnable basketball game. In fact, I think, you know, that um, this is a game Iowa State should win, Dylan. Yeah, I think when you can, kind of, when you look at the rest of the schedule, you, you have uh, some games that I would consider to be tougher on the road, whether you talk about Kansas State or TCU. But this, this Oklahoma team, especially of late, has not really been impressive, especially offensively. Um, they got beat by 30 against Baylor at home. Then they go on the road and lose at West Virginia. And the thing with them is they, they just can't really score very easily. Uh, they're, they're pretty solid defensively. Um, they have some guys on the perimeter that are long and can kind of disrupt some things. But, um, you know, if they get in a hole, it's not like they can really come back uh, very easily. And they, they have some veteran guys like a Christian James, um, who's a senior. And I think Jamal Biennemi has, has done some good things, yep. uh, kind of orchestrating the offense. But really, um, you know, they've, they've just never – especially of late seems to click uh, offensively to kind of get out of some of the holes that they've dug themselves. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really important game for Iowa State if they want to keep their nose in the Big 12 hunt um, just because, you, you, like I said, you can kind of look at some of the other road games that are coming up and uh, stealing another one on the road here in a you know an opportune time when you kind of um, go ahead and, and see what the rest of the home slate looks like. It's, it'll, it, it would be huge for them in, in kind of that quest. Baylor and Kansas State leading the way right now at six and two. Iowa State, Kansas, a half game back at six and three. Twelve wins. Does that get you a share of the conference crown, or do you need to get to thirteen? I've been kind of waffling back and forth on it. I think you're probably going to need to get to thirteen. Um, you know, twelve is going to it's going to put you in the hunt, and it, it'll be interesting to see what Kansas does here down the stretch too, because they already have what I think three losses in the Big Twelve. Um, you got to think they'll lose at, at least a couple more times, and that would get you to 13. Um, you know, and depending on what their schedule looks like, if they drop a home game, um, you know, that's kind of the, the you know unknown out there because mm-hmm. I think um, they've shown that they're not a very good road team this year for the most part. So if they lose a few more on the road, uh, you know, drop a home game, then then you're kind of looking at that 12 range. But I think that the map is there for Iowa State to win 13. So it's I, I think that'll do it this year. Um, whether it's a share or outright, is obviously um, you know going to be interesting to watch. Thirteen and five would give them two more losses. Where are you finding those boys? Mm. Yeah, K State um, next week at in in Manhattan on the, road. On the 16th. I think at Texas. Is. Texas is tough. At, mm-hmm. Texas is tough. Um, you know, I'd say watch out for TCU. Uh, they they've not been a team that has paid attention to a lot this year, mm-hmm. but they've shown they can be a tough out. They were tough in Lawrence, um, and you know, have given some other people fit. So uh, there is a possibility that there's a couple out there, to, mm-hmm. you know, to drop on the road. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, especially if um, you know 
if, if it's an up and down Iowa State offensive team like it was Saturday versus what it's been like, uh, you know, early in the conference. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Watch this block right here at K State on the 16th, and then home to Baylor. K State's got game one. Baylor's got game one. I uh, like to even those scores uh, and uh, just see where the chips fall. Dylan, great stuff. We'll talk to you on Friday. Uh, look forward to your piece on Matt Campbell. We'll recap that on Friday as well as uh, look ahead to Saturday's game against TCU. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate what you do for us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. To read, uh, well, Dylan, uh, Travis Hines, the whole paper over there. I saw Travis and both Randy Peterson, I believe, were on the same flight as they make their mm-hmm. way to Oklahoma City. Deontay Burton was also on that flight. Got the call up. Got the call up. Back up to the show for DeAndre Bur- Deontay Burton. He Good had for a him. dunk yesterday, I think it was, I saw on Twitter. Just Did a you? monster thunder duck through the lane. He's fun player to watch. Yeah, he is, no doubt. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Scott Dockerman's fun guy to talk to. We'll do that when we come back. Hawkeye conversation with Doc Next, Miller and Condon, till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Get the latest sports news and opinion all day from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. That's Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. If you're tired of being on the sidelines of your life, it's time to get back into it. Trent Condon here for New Leaf Wellness, where they'll help you have more energy for more adventure. At New Leaf Wellness for Men, their passion is helping patients enjoy a healthy quality of life. What what I want you to do right now, go to newleafcenter.com, click on their links about the services that can help you from testosterone replacement therapy, advanced weight loss, wellness injection therapies, food sensitivity testing, and a whole lot more. If your weight's an issue, go to New Leaf Wellness, take the food sensitivity test and their weight loss evaluation, and coming up, a chance for you to find out more their open house, it'll be happening Thursday, February 21st from 9 until 5. New Leaf Wellness is located over on West Town Parkway in West Des Moines, 3930 West Town Parkway. You can set up your free, no obligation consultation today at 650-1358. Again, 515-650-1358. And learn more at newleafcenters.com. Don't, don't forget to tell them that Trent sent you. Polar Plunge. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trent and I take you until noon. Murph and Andy today from uh, 2 until 4. The Fanatics uh, afternoon drive. And then, of course, tomorrow morning it all starts over again with the morning rush. Let's get Scott Dockman in here. He wrote an outstanding piece on the 99 recruiting class. We'll do that. We'll also take uh, Ference's 99 recruiting class and how that jump started the program. We'll also take a look back at Michigan, perhaps a peek to Indiana as we get Doc on Mondays. Today's no different from the athletic. He joins us. Hello, Scott Dockman, Trenton Ken. How are you? Hey, great, guys. How's it going today? Doing well. Uh, nice job on the piece. Uh, the Athletic, they've obviously got you uh, focusing on football, and you went back in time and took a look at that uh, recruiting class and just what the the 1999 class did as far as setting the tone uh, for years to come, as the piece said. Nice job, Scott Dockerman. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a fun piece to look back and, and see kind of how everything got put together. Uh, every one of us at the uh, athletic that handles football, you know, picked a class that kind of had an impact on the team. It could be something, you know, like Wisconsin. We had just a ton of coaches and other members. And in my case, 
I wanted to see what, you know, Ferentz's first class was like and how it impacted everybody. And, you know, Bielema was great. Um, you know, obviously Colin Cole was outstanding to talk about it. But just, you know, they went from 0-8 to 8-0 and in Big Ten play in a four-year period. Mm. The only team ever in history to do do it quicker was Northwestern and from 93 to 95. So, I mean, what they did was historic. And um, they had to do it fast, coaching change. And, uh, you know, Bielema grabbed three key players out of Florida. And then, uh, you know, the Robert Gallery, uh, you know, pick up. You know, he was – and people forget about this. He was a starter at tight end right. as a redshirt freshman for three games. And then they got in such a pinch, they moved him inside to play tackle. And, uh, well, you know, he made, you know, $10-plus million uh, for a long time. <laughs> You know, uh, as you look back at that and you look at some of those early recruiting classes, a big part of it is Florida. Iowa still dips their toe in from time to time, though it feels like they're trying to make maybe a bigger presence known in both Georgia and Alabama. From the past to 20 years ago to the future, do you like what Iowa's doing there with their Southern recruiting? I do, you know, from this perspective is, you know, I wrote about this a few months ago, that just Iowa does... Um, Iowa is kind of unique in that that they adjust their outbound recruiting based on their assistants, uh, you know, comfort levels. I mean, when they had Bobby Kennedy and Greg Davis, they went to Texas a lot. Now they've kind of gotten out of it. You know, when they didn't have anybody who could really recruit Florida, you know, once Brett Bielema left and Rick Kaczynski left, and they left it alone. Now they've got guys like Derek Foster, who's been in Florida, Seth Wallace, who coached in Georgia and, and, and has been in Florida, and then, of course, Foster, you know, his, his comfort level is, Alabama and, and some of those areas. And so they're smart in being selective in how they go and, and who they pick up. And, and Iowa is, is kind of an outlier as well in that, that they don't spray offers everywhere. They're very selective on who they want. They're one of the, among the lower end of teams that, that offer prospects because they have to fit what Iowa wants. Otherwise, it's going to be a wasted uh, you know selection. I mean, they're going to end up transferring in a year or two. And as we see, Iowa does have some significant attrition over the years, but but now they're back in Florida. They're, you know, they're in the South, and uh, that's kind of supplementing their their normal you know Big Ten footprint with some of the some pretty good players, at least pretty good prospects. Mm. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic is our guest. Doc, let's switch to basketball, and before we get into the uh, to the Michigan win, and then take a look ahead to Indiana, maybe the Big Ten race overall, where we sit at this point. Uh, Trent and I have a guy by the name of Shelby Mast. He's Gannett's bracketologist, USA Today, etc. He has. Iowa State is a four seed, and, and Iowa as a five seed, both playing in San Antonio on the uh, first weekend of the tournament. And, of course, if Iowa beats the 12 and Iowa State does likewise with the 13, they would clash in the round of 32, I think is probably, you know, obviously there's a lot of basketball to be played. But my question to you is, would you like to see that game again in the NCAA tournament? At least we would know one thing, that we're going to have it. one of those teams is going to advance to the Sweet 16. Would you go for that? Oh, I would, and, and it doesn't matter what level. I mean, you'd like to see those teams go head-to-head because it will be, a, you know, an entertaining game, an emotional game. I mean, every every game in the tournament is hard-fought and highly contested, but when you, ha- when you know that's a legacy game for that series, and you've got to live with the results. Right. And for the fans as well, you know, it's almost one of those games where it's probably kind of nervous, you know, for both fan bases because, you don't. This one really matters. I mean, not to say that it doesn't in December, but that's a non-conference game, and both teams kind of move their separate ways and have their seasons. But when you have a lingering, 
you know, finality to it, that really does matter. Now, I also, I've seen actually three different brackets that have that same scenario with Iowa State of four and Iowa of five. One was, uh, you know, I think out west, maybe Salt Lake, and another one was Des Moines. Mm. And I don't, I don't wow. see that just because you got two and, you know, <laughs> Michigan and Michigan State, you know, Kansas. They're all going to be in that kind of vicinity, so I don't think you're going to find them in Des Moines. But man, if you could imagine that, that would be <laughs> off the charts. I, I couldn't. I, I don't think that there'd be a greater scenario than a second round game between Iowa State and Iowa. At, you know, at Wells Fargo, it certainly would dwarf the Big Four Classic that we've had. <laughs> Just yeah, a little bit. Just a tad. <laughs> Four years ago, Indiana Kentucky was pretty awesome. But having Iowa State in that building to go to the Sweet 16 would be a different level. Doc, back to Friday night and the win against Michigan. Certainly a lot of different angles to look at this from the big guys right away getting Teske and the rest of the big guys in foul trouble. Iowa playing defense, though. that That's to me, how could it switch from what we saw Sunday against Minnesota, especially in that first half, to the performance we saw against the Wolverines Friday night? There are two different kinds of play uh, teams i mean styles of play in michigan and minnesota minnesota goes you know runs up and down the court it's really hard to stop the ball michigan is more selective and when when i know you know the discussion was going into that game you know that hey michigan hasn't allowed any opponent in the big 10 to you know score more than uh, 64 then i thought well that that doesn't really matter when you get a style like iowa's and if they can run the floor, they're going to bury you, you know, and it's just styles make fights. And Minnesota, it, you know, is more than happy to run that up-tempo, and if you don't have, can't stop the ball, they're going to score 55 in the first half. Um, you know, Michigan is more selective, so it allows Iowa to play a little bit better half-court defense. Certainly, you know, mixed defenses, as always, that is 1-2-2 two, two is really good, as, as well as the 2-3. So, you know, they were able to, to, to force some bad shots, uh, you know, Michigan wasn't very good from the perimeter. I mean, you know, they only hit, what, 24, uh, 24% from three-point land and 32% overall. So they were contesting those shots. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, sometimes there's just different types of teams that are types. And, and this is one of those – I think it's the same thing with Iowa against the Michigan State where they just get physical and they're good in transition and it really hurts Iowa in Michigan's case. Um, you know, under Beeline, he struggled against Iowa because Iowa can really get off to the races and it kind of slows down their half-court attack, which is pretty precise. Uh, Scott Jockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Speaking of scoring 55 in the first half, I thought Brzezikas was about to, uh, and they... They did a really nice job of adjusting. I, I'm with you, Doc. I think part of it, and, and Trent too, because you brought this point up very early in the program, Trent, the fact that the bigs getting into foul trouble and Tyler Cook was doing his best to get those guys uh, into foul trouble. And while he struggled shooting the basketball, Cook I'm referring to, he did so many other things. But just the in-game adjustments, Doc, defensively, Brasdikas did nothing in the final 20 minutes. Yeah, he didn't. And, and then again, that's just, you know, and I think Michigan – got a little bit desperate you know they, they did cut iowa's lead to what five five yep yeah yeah but then iowa went on 11 and 11 to 2 run and you know that again whatever no matter what the coach wants to do players feel pressured to have to make big plays and a lot of times you know it's kind of like with football you know teams even though they might be down 10 points in the third quarter they start to go away from the run well it's kind of the same thing they start teams start to go away from the post if it's not easy to get buckets or they feel like they want to shoot threes or for the perimeter because they're a little more open. 
And I think that's kind of what happened the other day. And, and you know, that, that's the most fascinating thing with this team right now is, you know, I mean, Iowa fans kind of jump from they're great to they're terrible very, very quickly, you know, like a, like a pendulum out of, you know, that's broken or something. But, you know, in this case, you know, th- this team's been capable of this performance all year. It's just a matter of can they can they continue it? Can they be it, play it consistently? And you know, you got Indiana coming up. Indiana just beat Michigan State yep. on the road. I mean, they've got great players. I mean, you know, great athletes. So it's it's not at all unreasonable to go to Indiana and lose. Um, you know, what what Iowa just has to do is put together a really good effort and try to hold down Indiana. And then uh, you know, and, and allow their offense to work for it. Be patient. Then Iowa can probably get the win. But when they start trying to run with Indiana with those athletes, that's where they've gotten in trouble in the past. Doc, you've been to that building. We were talking about just the difficult nature of Assembly Hall, and probably a renewed sense of uh, this team can get to the tournament with Romeo and Lankford and company. Tell us, you've been to that? Well, in fact, you made the trip, I believe, twice. When in the roof a, fell, in I a think. week when, yeah. the, when the pillar fell a couple of years back. Tell us a little more about Assembly Hall. Oh, it's great. I mean, I, I think it's the, the mecca, certainly, of the Big Ten mm-hmm. and among those in the Midwest, probably Fog Allen Fieldhouse being the other. It's just uh, you go in, and it's, it's just bigger than everything else, and it's always filled, and it just has this old-school feel about it that, you, you know, that just resonates. And so you, you walk in and there's, it's kind of an intimidation factor. And even when they're not very good, you know, they fill it up and it gets very loud in there. And, and, you know, so you've got to, you've got to be mentally tough to, to compete there possession by possession. Now, Indiana will let you compete as long as you are patient, you take good shots and you can kind of hold them down. But I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen Iowa take it to Indiana and just, uh, you know, then the crowd starts to work against the Hoosiers a little bit. Um, but once, uh, if you let them get going, it could get really rough really quick. So I, I've always enjoyed my time going to Assembly Hall. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, what's Iowa going to have to do to win this game? You know, again, I think, you know, part of it, I mean, this isn't the same type of system that they had under Tom Crean. They're a little more half-court focused, but, you know, it's it's really going to be about can they can they defend and stop the ball? I think their zone's going to be effective here uh, because you know Indiana's just you know they're still trying to figure themselves out as a program, and that could really throw outside shooters for a loop. You know, as, as long as they're not you know open. So I think if Iowa defensively can can be in tune and you know get rebounds. I mean, they outright rebound in Michigan by twelve. They can do the same thing there. You know, I, I think that style of play translates anywhere. But if you try to get in a, in a up and down the floor shootout with them, you know, again, Indiana recruits at a high level. They got great athletes, so you know that's not a winning strategy for Iowa, uh, possession by possession. So, are you talking to Seth Davis right now on the college basketball side, seeing if you can maybe hang out here in Des Moines for the NCAA tournament <laughs> first couple of rounds? What's happened with your basketball coverage at the Athletic? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Brendan Quinn did a great job. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's a long piece, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's excellent. I mean, yep. he's one of the best basketball writers in the country, in my opinion. And, and so we, uh, uh, you know, I'll be doing some more Iowa basketball next week, um, when they go to, when they play Northwestern and then Maryland after that. So, you know, yeah, I'd, I'm certainly planning on writing more basketball. I've got a couple of bigger pieces coming up. And then also, you know, hey, this is, you know, the second end of a recruiting week for Iowa. So there's going to be a few more 
guys. You know, they just landed a punter the other day. So, mm-hmm. you know, recru- recruiting never ends and football never ends. But right now, I think fans are pretty excited about basketball. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you. We will talk to you next Monday. Have a good week. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman. Great read at The Athletic, not just Doc. Um, it's the future of sports writing. It's two ninety nine, three ninety nine a month. It's really inexpensive, and you know whatever your sport is, whatever your team is, there's a pretty good chance that they have assigned a writer to cover said team. Yeah, a lot of baseball on there. That's kind of the first four pitchers and catchers in ten days. Trent, a week and a half. That's where I was going. You're reading my mind. We are getting there, and a lot of free agents still sitting out there. Oh, too many. Yes, a lot. That that's a that's an excellent point. Same and, conversation we had a year ago. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's more so this year than past years. You do? I don't know. Um, last year was nuts because we'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, and it, after last year, I think maybe it's just it's softened for me. Maybe because of that, because mm-hmm. we saw it a year ago. But there used to be a race to get the big names off the board. Right? Yeah, remember the winter meetings actually meant oh, something. Yeah, before Christmas, absolutely. Before get that Christmas. done. Usually before Thanksgiving, a lot of these things would be done. Well, we're done tomorrow at 10.30. Iowa Wolves are on the air tomorrow, so you and I have an abbreviated show. I would anticipate we'll just go heavy on Iowa State, Oklahoma, reacts uh, for tomorrow's program, and then we'll slide Shelby Mast, who joins us on, on Tuesdays, uh, now until Selection Sunday. He's our bracketologist. He's the Gannett's bracketologist. Really good news for Gannett employees across the country today. Yes. They, um, I guess, shot down that, I don't know if it's a hostile takeover, that media company that wanted to buy Gannett for 12 bucks a share or whatever. And when that company that does do those things, they come in and just gut half the staff at all of the papers that they've bought. Gannett, at least, say, for now, why do we say that? The Des Moines Register is under the Gannett umbrella, and you can bet your bottom dollar if that company would have been successful. It's digital something. I don't remember the full name. Um, you could bet that there would be some people that we know would be out of work in downtown Des Moines. Yeah, the Denver Post was one of them that was mm-hmm. bought up by this conglomerate. Gutted. And, uh, yeah, that's what they do. They come in, they slash and burn and make a profit, turn a profit out of it, and whatever's left is left. Speaking of profits, uh, who will you be? There's not a lot of games tonight. Do, nope. do you have a feeling on Oklahoma-Iowa State? What's the number? It seems tricky, right? Just two and a half? That's all it is. Just two and what a half. Did it, is that what it opened at? Or was it, it bet up? I think it was at one. Is where I saw, and I, this was just a tweet. I didn't look at it myself last night because I was too heavily invested <laughs> on the Super Bowl, right. and that investment didn't turn out very well. Uh, let's see what we got right now, though, in hoops. Two and a half pretty much across the board, and open at two, looks like, at a couple of places. Oklahoma, Trent, I've watched, uh, I watched the game against West Virginia. West Virginia basically not dominated them, but I never felt that, you know what, Oklahoma's going to find a way to win this basketball game. Mm-hmm. They just don't have a lot of talent. I mean, Maddox's a nice player. Doolittle's a nice player. I like Maddox a lot. James is a nice player. He can score um, bunches. Yep. Calixte is, the, is their three-point shooter. And it's a road game. It's a road game. It's a road game. Mm-hmm. The environment, though, in Norman. But if you're going to win the Big 12, Trent, you win this basketball game tonight. Sure. Yeah. Great with you, you there. If you fancy your team as a team that's that's uh, got what it takes, a roster, to win the Big 12 and to knock off a Kansas team, mm-hmm. then you win this game tonight. 
I think. There's no doubt. So, one final thing. Mm-hmm. I heard you Friday as I was almost uh-huh, late yeah. getting to my basketball game. You're hanging out with Chris Williams. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you to Chris Williams, first of all, for uh, for inviting me on the show. It was great to talk to Chris. Chris and I got a pretty long history together. Yes, I, I learned that. I know. I was disappointed. There, no, there, there was a lot of people not disappointed. I think a lot of Hawkeye fans missed the piece because a lot of Hawkeye fans were at Carver. Right. Um, I hope you'll listen to it. If you haven't listened to it, it kind of goes back into what led me to my decision to make the biggest career mistake of my life, but it kind of, I think, adds a little color to it and perhaps uh, tells a part of the story that has never been told before. And it's true. Yeah. And I hope you'll listen to it. Uh, you can catch it. You can find the podcast at kxno.com. It's on the Fanatics page, especially the first half hour. I'd like if you would you know, find a half an hour to do that. I think you'll... Um, Very informative. I think so, too. Thank you, Chris, for letting me do that. Thank you, Trent, for being here today. Thank you to our audience. We've got uh, Murph and Andy coming up at 2, 1460 KXNO.